For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rainstop Play. Um, it's going to be an exciting one today. We have the first um, ever game of the hundred to review. Uh, we also have a fantastic series of T20 international cricket between Pakistan and England to uh, discuss as well. Um, and our usual, our usual um, roundup of all the goings-ons, especially um, in regard to the upcoming India-England Test series, because there's been a bit of news about that. Um, we're going to jump straight into the 100 today. We're going to change things up a little bit because that is the story on everyone's lips. Um, but before we do that, I want to introduce you to our only guest um, of of today's episode. Um, I think the excitement of the 100 was too much for half of our team um, because Zach has, I think he's in Wales. I can only imagine to go go watch Welsh, Welsh Fire. And Dan apparently is a grown up and has a job, unlike me. And my co-host for today, Will. Uh, Will, how are you doing? I'm very well. Yeah, clearly the excitement's got to the other two of them. Um, I'm I'm sure that I'm now going to have to uh, account for some comments I made yesterday in, in the heat of the moment after watching The 100. I'll, I'll now reflect with a slightly more sober perspective, uh, but I'm, ex- I'm excited to get into it. <laughs> yeah, for reference, uh, listeners, uh, Will uh, put up a, a little reaction video on our Twitter feed. Um, follow us at Rainstop Pod to see that. And somehow, I mean, we're delighted because it has over 500 views, which for us as a podcast is is viral. I mean, that, that is a delight for, for us. Um, but yeah, um, if you do not know, Will was actually at the game last night. Um, so he's going to really have that insider perspective, uh, which I'm really excited to talk to him about. And I think there'll be some real insight um, about not just the cricket on the field, but the general atmosphere, which is something it's really kind of hard to to judge when you're just watching it on a screen. Um, so just before we get into that chat, I will just go over the game real quickly. It was it was a thriller. I mean, what more can you want for an advert for a new tournament? Um, it was the Oval Invincibles women versus the Manchester Originals women. Uh, Manchester Originals um, started batting first uh, with their 100 balls. Um, they got 135 runs for six wickets. Um, Lee, the opener, getting um, 42 runs, top scoring there. And what was quite funny about this, and I'm sure we'll get onto this in a few minutes, is uh, whether this was a competitive total. No one could quite understand. And our, I was unfortunately um, out and I was unable to kind of watch it live. But our group chat, I've never seen so many messages, honestly, for any game ever, because we're all trying to figure out using algorithms and just some horrendous maths uh, equations to try and figure out what was a competitive score. Uh, this seemed to be just about okay, perhaps arguably under par. Um, so the Oval Invincibles came out chasing um, at home. So they had the, the home crowd backing, which I think was actually quite an important uh, important facet of this game. Um, and they managed it. It went right to the wire. Um, it took them 98 balls, uh, which is which is pretty extraordinary because, um, as we're going to mention in a moment, were this quite a one-sided game, um, I don't think we would have the energy that we currently have on the pod. But it was a complete thriller. 
And yeah, it went down. I, I, it's, instead of over, I guess, went down to the final five balls. <laughs> should we say that? And uh, yeah, they chased it down and got 139 for five. Um, fantastic win um, for the Invincibles. Um, I could see they were delighted. We'll get into the nitty gritty of the game in a moment. Um, but first of all, Will, as you were there, just let us know about your experience. This is I'm delighted you were there. So yeah, how did you feel? I mean, just walk us through going in there, what the crowd was like, and just the atmosphere generally. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. There's, there's there's so many issues to get into, but but that's probably the one big takeaway that that from moment one before the game even started, I was immediately more pro this competition than than I had been on the previous pod because because there was a nice feel to it. I mean, I I got off at Oval Tube Station waiting for the person I was going to go see the game with, and I was just hovering around outside the ground with big crowd of people. And and as we said on, on the preview, they were aiming to attract an audience, which is not your classic oval T20 audience, which, as you said, can be a bit laddie. And especially the oval can be no disrespect to these people, but can be mainly men who work in the city who have come after work and all that sort of thing. And it was immediately obvious that through whatever marketing they've been doing, they've absolutely succeeded in, in getting the crowd that they want. It was much, much younger, many more women. I was surrounded by this big group of kids wearing Bangladesh shirts, which was wonderful. Uh, clearly a lot of Indians around as well and others so that was really really nice to see um, and once we got into the ground it, it was pretty obvious that it just had it had a different energy to pretty much any other cricket match that I've been at for, for better and worse it's, it started quiet undeniably um, one of the sort of slightly tacky horrible things that, that the IPL does and I, and I was surprised not to see here is when you're going into the ground a bit like if you go to the FA Cup semi-final as we did for Brighton that one in for ill-fated time they'll try and thrust a flag into everybody's hand and anytime somebody scores a six or a four they'll you know they'll go up on the big screen like do some ridiculous chant they didn't actually do any of that so it's a bit less tacky and cringe than I was expecting uh but to be fair maybe the crowd could have done with that especially at the start we were a little bit quiet hesitant no one was clearly quite sure what to do I tried to get a chant going at one stage with without much luck <laughs> um, but I think that that is a giant plus that it, it was it was a different crowd. It was a very very pleasant group of people to be around. Clearly a shared experience that everyone was enjoying. Um, and no one was really cynical or, or grumpy about the format in any way. The only group of people who were even talking about it that I ever saw was these these guys sat in front of me, where one guy was a cricket fan and he bought three of his mates who weren't and was kind of explaining the rules to them and how the hundred differed from other cricket. Um, but they were all kind of going up, going with it just as we were. Oh, I think that's a, a great summary. And ju- just two points I, I found just preparing for this pod this morning. Number one, that was apparently um, the worldwide record for a domestic uh, women's uh, game, which is extraordinary unto itself, about seven and a half thousand people. Um, and second, just picking up on what you're saying about the atmosphere, Will, uh, the BBC uh, writer described the atmosphere as more like a chilled rooftop bar than a boozy stag do. Does, <laughs> does that sum it up a little bit for you? And, and they mentioned that there was a longer line for the pizzas and ice cream than the bars, which obviously would be the other way around at least a t20 game in the uk uh yeah it, does that kind of speak to you and obviously it's just it's, it's a jokey kind of description but did you think as you kind of mentioned i feel like they were going for family they were going for fun you know it's, it's a general word but they were going for family orientated fun do you think it, it had that energy and excitement especially when the game picked up i think as you mentioned from watching the highlights it was a slow first few balls um, and everyone was finding their feet. Obviously, both the players and the fans, in a way, weren't too sure what to expect. But I think once the cricket got going and the quality, which we'll get onto in a minute or two, was so high, I think that kind of motivated it. 
100%. And, and one of the helpful things from an on-field perspective in terms of engaging the crowd was there was never a dull stretch. You know, you, yeah. you, you can make criticisms of this from a cricket perspective and whether or not that, you know, the batting of the ball, it was particularly good. But there was never a, there was never a stretch of more than about five balls without either a boundary or a wicket. It was pretty much constant action, which is clearly what they're going for. So that was a success. Um, the point about <laughs> who the crowd is and the various cues, absolutely true. I left at the change of innings and there wasn't even a mad rush to leave as there normally would be at half time to get a pint. That was weird. And then I went out and you're absolutely right. Massive long queues for all the like the pizza, the burgers, all the food. And I looked at the queues and I was like, oh, oh guess I'm not going to be able to buy anything. Started going back in past this little truck selling IPA pints. Literally not a soul in the queue. I just walked up and I was like, <laughs> you, are you sold out? And they were like, no. And I was like, cool. Couple of pints, please. So that's absolutely true. Which, which obviously, you know, is no bad thing inherently. We've both been to T20 games and, and enjoyed a drink and had a, had a nice night. But as we say, this is clearly the orders that they're going for. And, um, you know, it's it's important to say credit where it's due. They they did succeed in getting that audience. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think, in terms of people coming back to this, I, I I love that you've how you've said, and we've all seen the photos and the highlights. If we didn't if we didn't watch the game live, which I know a lot of people, I know at least the rest of the podcast were watching the game pretty keenly. Um, what was your mood? I know that a, a, a something that it is worth noting, and this isn't me having my criticised the hundred hat on. This is just just something that came up when I was reading about it. A lot of the tickets for this game were given away for free, like quite a substantial number has been pretty much confirmed by quite a few quite a few cricket outlets. Um, going forward, I think it's still pretty well priced for the cheapest tickets to the double header. I think we worked out we're about maybe just under 15 and even less for, for children, maybe in the five pound mark, um, if not free for, for maybe under 16. So do you see people say a couple of families sat next to you and stuff might have been there with the free tickets, might have um, might have just been offered to go for free? Do you think there are people who enjoyed it enough um, that they would be thinking, well, there's another game in a couple of days. We'll be back here for the next one. Do you think there there was that sense that people would come back? I think so. I, I, I paid £12 for mine, so I don't know where people are getting these free tickets. No, <laughs> no, 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 no one bribed me to go along, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm out of pocket now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously hard to say, but I, I think everybody, like no one felt bored at any point. And actually, the atmosphere was getting better and better as it went on. So I think probably people definitely enjoyed it especially like the kids seem to be having a great time which is clearly what they're going for and there were a lot of groups which were clearly like the dad and then he brought his two daughters <laughs> that kind of atmosphere um and yeah they they all seem to be having a swell time i, I chat a chat with the bloke next to me he was just like bangladeshi guy there by himself taking pictures um and he was clearly like proper old-timey cricket fan and like didn't really have a complaint to say he was just enjoying the atmosphere with the kind of knowledge as we said that we all know this is a bit silly and, and we'll get into some of the problems with the 100 and whether we think that this is actually fixing things in, in a bit because there are those problems still remain all the things we talked about in the preview are still there but I think most people are going into this with the hat on of it's a bit of fun it's not going to replace mainstream cricket it's not going to you know take over the schedule any more than it has to um, but to go along to the game it's a good day out for a family and, and as you said priced very recently so in London the, the double headers are 16 pounds for two games which is pretty good. You get a whole day of, you know, London, London against Birmingham, or London against Manchester, which are huge games, for basically the price you'd, you'd pay for a very cheap one game to get to most places, if that. Yeah, I think the price point is something I'm really positive about because we've all talked about accessibility of cricket. A, we have we have the two things with this, which we obviously mentioned in the preview. We've got this being shown 
um, on free-to-air TV. So that's massive. I mean, young people who, who literally, obviously, socioeconomic reasons can't afford Sky. I mean, I know a lot of people are nowhere near affording Sky. Um, this being placed on that, you know, mainstream uh, TV channels like the BBC and with the coverage and excitement that comes with that is good. We've got we've got whether it's the the right in quotations form the game or not. We have young people, people who do not have access to, to, to premium TV channels being able to watch this. That's great. And also the price point. I mean, gone are the days where, you know, a family, say a family of three, like a mom, two kids um, could go watch, you know, England, India at Lords. Absolutely no chance unless you want to fork out best part of 300 pounds. Uh, which is just ridiculous. So I think that price point to see it live, because I think we all know that the magic of sport, it's it's amazing to watch on TV. And I think the Euros probably showed that as a fan. But being there is something it's just a completely different experience. And that's where you fall in love with the game. That's what I found growing up and watching cricket and football. So that's that's definitely two of the positives. And I, I, I think I think that's probably worth noting. What do you reckon? Will? Uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. The only thing that I'd say on the crowd of who was maybe missing. And I hadn't really thought about this until just now, but looking back, really not many teenagers and like young people over over 15s. There was a hard family demographic and, and quite a few old cricket fans. Maybe they're slightly missing that in-between demographic, but that'll probably come come with the cricket. The only other thing that I think is a, is a major question mark after, as I said, really enjoying the first game. We said on the preview, biggest thing this competition will do is for women's cricket and I think that's obvious after the game that we saw the question mark is does it make any kind of sense as a men's competition I think that's the big unknown and probably where you and I are still leading no because you've got the blast you've got so many other competitions you've got the international players going off to do their bit at the same time which feels ludicrous and is going to take loads of attention away in terms of the tv schedule so that I think is a remaining question mark and I'm still not hugely excited to watch the men kick off, if that's the correct expression, tonight, if I'm honest. Um, but I think in terms of the women, fantastic competition. And the other nice thing about it is it does it does what great franchise tournaments do when every game is televised and when it becomes a talking point, so we have to do it on a podcast, whereby, you know, we probably watched the last but one IPL and we didn't know who Washington Sundar was at the start of it. Absolutely. Six weeks later, he'd become a meme. It was Dan loved Washington Sundar's economy rate. That was the thing. Same thing here. We were so we were sat pretty close to the ground. We had a fielder in front of us for basically the whole of the first innings. Number thirty-five, someone called Wilson, apparently never heard of her before. Came into bat in the second innings, faced two balls, gone. But we were we were buzzing. We were on our feet, giving her a round of applause. We love Wilson now. Um, same thing. Van Niekerk was star of the game. Um, Kate Cross bowled really well. Some of these names are like I just didn't know particularly well. Once you see them and you get to have every game televised and see these 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 people more regularly, they are going to slowly become, if not household names, then then names that cricket fans recognise. And then we can start building a bit more of a narrative around the women's game. And when we go see England women in future, we'll know every single player rather than just knowing two or three star names. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, for these players to have the opportunity to be on BBC, as I mentioned, I mean, that is a massive step up. If this was exclusively on Sky, that's something that's obviously something good. But I, I, you probably argue that the vast majority, uh, off the top of my head, of of, of even male uh, cricket players probably haven't played a game on BBC for their entire career. So that that is massive um, for 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 both for both kind of sides of the game. But I agree. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at this. Obviously, we have it's tonight that is the the, the first men's game. The same two teams playing, and I'm intrigued to see how it unfolds. But 
a good way of looking at this potentially long term for the ECB could be like this is the premier women's competition mm. in the world, not just in England, in the world, arguably, if you really do post COVID get all the stars over because i know that has obviously we discussed in the preview has been an issue but if that's the way it's marketed you get to see the best women's cricketers in the world for a good price bring the family i mean i would i would 100 go um if i yeah. if i was living there um and i'm sure a lot of people would too and you touched on it let's just have a look in at the game just to look at a couple of standout players um so yeah as i mentioned a few minutes ago it was a pretty impressive win um, for the over invincibles the game it, it had a nice from i was unfortunately i was following the live text but it had a nice kind of pendulum feel to it i don't think it was particularly clear throughout the game um who was going to win and again it went right down to the wire obviously um tash found bowled beautifully um for the invincibles picking up um three wickets um during the uh during the manchester originals innings um and then there were some standout players as well i think obviously you mentioned um you mentioned cross kate cross captain of manchester originals who was on a hat trick at mm-hmm. uh, one point of the game and she dismissed the top three um opening um women uh batters so i mean they were standout performances there was some lovely uh wiki keeping as well uh one absolutely delightful stumping um from shrekled off eccleston which um every everyone loved um loved that i mean i was watching the, i was watching the replays on twitter and you know seeing that live must have been lovely you know taking it down on leg side sweeping it out and for me i know it was highlights so you don't get a feel for the game but the standard of cricket seemed really really tidy i thought it was very impressive what did you think purely on the pitch will what was your kind of feel for the for the quality of the cricket i'd say i thought it was really really decent obviously as we said it's it's impossible to tell because we've only seen one game and, and certainly part of the excitement i think was built not just because the crowd didn't know what a pass score was but the players had no idea so they didn't really know what pacing they, they should be going for which may have led to more mistakes and more wickets taken than than would do otherwise i don't know we'll have to see Certainly, that's the only possible criticism in terms of the quality is there were, you know, a lot of wickets were taken in not very many balls. There was clearly sort of a few dodgy shots. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see the full shot percentage because I can't imagine it was especially tight. But that aside, I thought, yeah, by and large, the cricket was great. All the bowling was pretty much dead on quality. Sophie Eccleston was, was great. Kate Cross was brilliant. The batting as well, we got some we got some really, really tidy shots. Even the ones that didn't go for huge boundaries, there, there were a couple that they people just played really nice straight back cricket shots. And I gave it a little cheer and it went for one run and no one else reacted. Um, and I mean, for, the big plus for me from a, from a cricket perspective to follow on from what you're saying about this basically possibly being the, the premier domestic women's competition in the world. We got to see Harman Harmonpreet Kaur bat which was amazing. She's, I mean, to, in my head, she's the sort of Virat Kohli of women's cricket and yep. batted fantastically. Scored about 30-odd with some lovely shots before getting out. Um, hit three fours in a row at one stage, I think. Four fours out of five balls, something like that, to which me and me and the person next to me were trying to get four for court chanting. Didn't quite work, but we gave it a go. <laughs> um, and it was that was a really nice moment when she came out because, you know, as I said, it was a very diverse crowd and you could tell there was a bit of a buzz there. People, people did recognise that name or at least just recognise the surname because it's famously a, a, a Sikh surname. So people were definitely sort of enjoying the bid saw that kind of international cricketer. Um, and it's a shame that the, the, lots of the Australians had to pull out, but it, but at least they were scheduled to be there at the start, which suggests that they are going to come back for, for next summer, hopefully. So if you can get the India women and the Australia women and all the England stars, that, that does promise to be a really good quality of cricket tournament. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And just yeah, looking at the looking at the graph um, on BBC Sport of of the run chase, 
it was great. Uh, you know, the home team were behind for just about, just about for the large portion of the game and finished really, really strongly to snatch the win. And what I was really surprised about, Will, and you know, we'll move on in, in a few minutes, but I was surprised about how excited the crowd got about a win. I, I didn't think there'd be that passion. Did you Did you feel that in the stands? Yeah, we were buzzing, even though I don't think anyone knew who they were supporting or why. I, yeah. as, we dis- as we discussed on the preview, I should be an Open Invincibles fan because I live 10 minutes away. I- I'm not really because I don't like Surrey, which was slightly mitigated by the fact that these were women and not Tom and Sam Curran. Um, but I also I had a very soft spot for Manchester Originals because they had Harman Freak Core and I like Sophie Eccleston. So that was a nice team. So I didn't really care. But yet the moment that they won, everyone was on their feet cheering. It was you could have been at a blast game. Um, so there was a really nice atmosphere about that. The question I want to ask you, actually, because you were able to see it on TV. And this is the only thing that I think from a from a live event perspective, they didn't do quite as well as I was expecting. Is that on TV you got the sort of live winvis calculator? You got a bit more graphics. There was a point that I I was begging for a worm to come up on the big screen just to give some sense of like who is currently winning because they didn't really do any of that in the ground. Right. Well, I wish there was Zach or Dan here because I did. I unfortunately was not at home last night to to watch. I only got the highlights this morning. What What is interesting though, there was from what I could tell on Twitter, I did I did do my best to to research as thoroughly as possible today, and there was a lot of discourse about the quality of the graphics, which were apparently quite painful. I saw that from a lot of people on Twitter. Um, and it was quite interesting. They, they had framed the screen differently. So a couple of the stills I saw, we had like both teams on the screen, one on the left hand side, one on the right hand side. Yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah, I, you know, it's an, it is, for want of a better word, an innovative tournament. I think they can basically, they have free reign to do whatever they feel like with the graphics, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, to directly answer your question, I have no idea. <laughs> well, listeners, if you know how it came across on <laughs> screen, do let us know. But that was the only thing that I thought in the ground, and probably nobody cared because we were there for the for the experience more than anything. But it was pretty noticeable that you know they didn't do anything to mitigate the sense that we had no idea who was winning. And in a way, that was fine because we got carried away with it. But the, but it was a slight problem when it came to the bowling. And this is where I think we still have lingering criticisms of the whole format because they have probably changed more about the fundamentals of cricket than they needed to yeah. under the yeah. guise of making it simpler. Because I'm not convinced it is any simpler to have these five or ten what are we supposed to call them if they're not overs i've been trying to think of the word. i just keep saying five balls five ten balls, balls uh, things but so we got these things and it was so is it right that the bowler can choose at when they start if it's going to be five or ten every time is that right so that's so interesting i wasn't sure if they could do five and be like oh actually i'm actually this has been a really tight couple of balls can i carry on that's it i've got no idea and not only do i have no idea but I'm sure there must have been some signal that I just wasn't seeing, but I could never tell within the ground whether they were about to bowl five or ten. At any point, I had no idea. Um, and I'm not convinced that that even has the advantage of making it simpler for new viewers. Because as I said, you know, I went with my partner who's not a big cricket fan. The guys in front of me were one cricket fan with his three mates who weren't. And I sort of thought, actually, most people are probably going to be with someone or near someone or vaguely know something about cricket. Is it not easier if they can just go, what's going on? And I go, she's bowling six balls, it's an over. Rather than they ask me what's going on. And I'm like, she can either bowl five or ten. I'm not really sure which she's going to do. I don't know. And I don't know what to call it. Do you think maybe just just looking at it, a simpler way would have just would have just been five ball overs and just basically crack on? And then yeah. I, that seems like the middle ground. I, 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 I've struggled with the five and ten. Obviously, I, I appreciate that they are 
changing some of the fundamentals. Um, I mean, to be fair, the batting seems, would you say the batting seemed pretty similar? It felt like a T20 watching a lot of it back. The, the batting didn't seem to change too much in terms of approach. It's the bowling, I think, that they've, especially rules and format-wise, I think they've done the most tinkering with. I think that's right. I think it had a knock-on effect on the batting, or at least in my perception of the batting, and maybe this is because we don't have overs. Because one of the other things, that not having those things that we can recognise we call overs and having the 1 to 20 of those, is it was much harder to tell sort of what position in the pattern of the game we're in. But I think that came across to the batters as well, because it was always, it was, it was basically T20 batting. But I never got, in, at least, a sense, apart from the, the opener for Oval, was sort of an anchor. She she went at something like a runner ball for most of the time. Yep. But apart from that, basically everybody seemed to just come out and hit it. Um, there was less of a sense of rhythm and trying to build an innings, which is probably fair enough given the number of balls there are. Um, but I wonder if that is just me getting that perception because I couldn't tell what over we're at and things like that. Um, and maybe that'll come with time once we sort of learn, oh, we're in the 50 to 60 ball period. That means X, Y, Z. No, I think that's a good point. And what it, it did just strike me how funny it's going to be. So for a, a young new fan of the game, if she's like watching it and you're just explaining, you know, you go with your family, you're explaining the um, the rules and you're like, OK, so this is the hundred, you know, it's 10 ball, five ball, whatever. There's also T20 cricket. So there's six balls in, per over. I'm going to tell you what an over is right now. And there's one day cricket. And if you feel really brave, during the next school holiday, I can walk you through a test match. Because <laughs> trying to explain this living in America, trying to explain the three forms of the game, I mean, trying to explain any form of the game. Obviously, T20 is the entry point, and we all know that. I can't even comprehend trying to bring 100 into discourse that already includes a one-day game that takes all day and is sometimes dull, and a test match, which is designed to be nice and slow and takes five days for a draw quite often. So <laughs> it would be very interesting to see, A, I guess the knock-on effect with how this maybe influences the jargon and the way that young players, if this is their introduction to cricket, how it affects. I'm not saying negatively here. I'm just really intrigued to see how this affects their reading of other forms of the game. And also exporting this to countries and audiences that don't already engage with cricket at all. Obviously, that must be on the ECB's mind. And clearly, they think that this 510 thing is more appealing, you'd imagine, because they're doing this, than, than the, the conventional six balls. So, yeah, there's a lot of nuances. And I think what, I'm, what I am looking forward to with this tournament, I'm sure you're the same, Will, is seeing just how it develops and how a lot of our predictions, you know, some of us more positive than others, uh, do pan out. And I guess my final question, just to wrap up, because we, we still got the, the England-Pakistan um, uh, T20 series to talk about, which was exceptional, in my opinion. Um, what, um, what do you see going forward, having been at the game, uh, where do you see this over the next week, couple of weeks? Do you see this... You can't really judge the whole thing. I know it's only one game. But from from your feeling being there, do you see this as maybe building on this game? Or do you see the potential for crowds to flatline? Because all I would worry about is this is a high bar. We have a buzzing crowd. We have a great game. We have a nail biter. I mean, you could not have written a better game than this. It's impossible. If the quality drops, both in the men and women's game, we have obviously we haven't even seen the men yet. Uh, if the quality drops off, I know when the when the male english players go and it will be a bit bare bones for a couple of teams do you see there is the potential for this just to not necessarily fizzle out but to die down a little bit as the weather turns you had a gorgeous night as well i mean there are a lot of factors they couldn't have written a more successful night i mean i'm good good for that i'm delighted it was a success when when it gets a bit damper and a little bit more depressing 
uh, in the country if it isn't enough already uh, what what do you see as the kind of as the kind of future for this just this um, inaugural tournament it's a great point and, and we do need several caveats on the extent to which I enjoyed it one of which being this was I mean the crowd was didn't end up being full capacity but it was the first full capacity oval this week that we've been allowed to have yeah i think i'm right in saying so there was you know there were there were fans in 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 close spaces close together so a nice sense of atmosphere there there wasn't really social distancing between groups or whatever no one had to wear a mask when they were sitting in the stands um it was a gorgeous day it's the first time i've been able to get to the cricket this summer so lots of caveats there that it was just an enjoyable occasion in the way that yeah you could have put a blast game there and i still would have had a great time for for lots of those reasons um, I think the men's, as we said, is the main question mark. Quality of the cricket there has got to hold up. And also, I don't know what the TV scheduling plans are yet in terms of the BBC or Sky, but it's going to have to keep being really good quality cricket if they're going to keep it when it potentially competes with the Test Series that's going to come on, um, which is going to be a problem from early August. So that's a big question mark. I am optimistic, though, that it can build on this, partly because apparently we're going to have a heat wave in early to mid-August again, so that'll be nice for it. But also... <laughs> because I think people will enjoy seeing women's players that they're not too familiar with. The men's game, you know, I, I kind of think whatever happens with it happens. It'll either sink or swim. I think you'll get a few really good games. You might, you know, you might get one headline grabbing, you know, Stokes plays one game for Northern Superchargers and does really well to a full crowd, you know, that kind of thing. Because some of the games are sold out. So I think that the best we can hope for the men's game is it generates some good headlines when the big players are there, and then it pebbles along at a good quality the rest of the time. The women's, I think, is really exciting and probably will build on here um, because it's just more interesting than lots of other things you can watch because it's a it's a new competition for those players. And that's, I think, the hope that they're going to be able to get from from this season of the 100. It's just if you can get through it as a sort of late summer bit of fun, bring new people in, give a new platform to the women, have fun with this tournament, I think it will be a success on those terms. As we said on the preview, none of us think realistically that the ECB is onto a gold mine here that's going to replace T20. You know, I'm, I'm happy to eat my hat on that in five years if it comes true. And, and, and as you said, the point about expanding it to the rest of the world and countries who don't currently play cricket, that would be a massive game changer if they were able to do that. At the moment, I see it as a bit of fun, which is going to be a nice moneymaker for them probably, and get a few new people into cricket. Longer term, the big question is that that gateway drug effect, which I think you make a great point on. Is this too different to be able to explain to people who like the 100, here's this other format you're going to go enjoy? Maybe it is. That's the hope that it will be. It's a fun way in. This season's going to be fun, late summer entertainment. And then building on that, maybe it can get a few new people into the rest of cricket. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And for a, for a pretty, uh, I really wish Dan was here for this comparison. But uh, I've been getting into golf has been the sport I've got into just, just this summer. And what's really interesting is I got into, I think it's just what we, the Open in the US. It was probably the first major quite straightforward to follow and because i got into that and really enjoyed it i was so keen for the the british open that just finished Lynx golf it's a little bit different now i'm really buzzing for the Ryder cup which has a load of rules i was reading it yesterday on wikipedia did not know any of the terms but the fact that i liked that first entry and it did mean that i'm super keen to explore the other kind of forms of the game um so that's the positive outlook i think that once you get if you like you know the process of the hundred you enjoy the cricket on the field you, you naturally i feel like as a sports fan you want to learn more i mean we you know we love it we you know with football we watch our league love the champions league love the world like i know it's not particularly different but 
I once you get into a sport, I think it's hard to be hooked away from it. So that is that is going to be our optimistic, I think, um, prediction there. And final question, Will, for you, where, what's your next game? What are you going to see next? Have you got anything booked? I don't have anything booked, but we're looking at oh, there's a doublehead on the 3rd of August, which will be quite soon. And then we're looking at I think it's London Spirit Manchester on the 14th of August. Doubleheader men's and women's so i'll definitely be trying to get to that i'm kind of evenly split between the ones i'm going to get tickets for at the moment between oval and london for whatever reason um so i'm hoping to see uh see birmingham either once or twice at manchester when they're when they're back down at london spirit um but i completely uh completely agree with, with the point you just made actually a final thought on this that jar- jar- we're kind of scared of jargon in parts of the cricket community and rightly so because it can be too much but once you have a way in as you said it it's actually really enjoyable to go and be able to learn those new things. And it's like any in-group, out-group thing. Once you start to know one, when you want, once you see your first googly take a wicket and you go, oh, I know what that is, then that makes you feel part of the community and, and you'll have that excitement to learn more. So I think that's definitely a thing. Final, final thought on 100 before we move on. I'll just rattle through quickly the big... I, I, I always have in mind with the 100, two years ago when we lived together in, in Brighton, and we sort of listened to the TalkSport phone-in for the 100 announcement, and they came out with all these rules they were going to change. And we were like, this is ludicrous. So with that perspective in mind, were we right two years later? A few of the things they've changed. 100 balls versus 120. I think that worked. I think it is. It is. No, it's, it doesn't have a notable impact on the cricket necessarily, but from a fan perspective, it, it is just notably shorter. Like There are times that a T20 innings, even though it's short, will slightly drag. It can get more than an hour and a half. Overs like 10 to 14 can occasionally just, just take their time. 100%. 100 balls actually really, really works. Nice length of time. Enjoyed it. Basically stuck to just over an hour in innings, um, which was nice. 5-10 balls, as we said, didn't really work for me. Kind of pointless to replace overs. In theory, it's exciting to see one bowler bowl 10 in a row. That could give you some interesting plans and dynamics, but didn't really see any of that so far. The franchise things, instead of counties, neutral. It it worked. It wasn't a disaster. I don't know if I offended that it wasn't Surrey, but neither do we have any particular investment in these new franchises yet, which is probably fair enough. And men's and women's on equal platform, massive success. So of the sort of four-ish big changes that they've made, it's at least a, a B if you're going to grade it i would say so and just what one final thing and then i promise we will move on I, i'm really enjoying this discussion to be honest um you t- took a photo i think when you were when you were at the game of some people a few kids and uh families buying shirts do you want to just mention that for a second because that surprised me do you, that was people were just keen to grab a shirt when they were there obviously some people were it surprised me i kind of laughed um the first time that i went out uh it was pretty early it was like i think just before the innings break, I went out to, to find myself another drink. And this guy, this, this probably like 14 year old girl, she ran past me wearing an Oval Invincible shirt. And I like buffered. I was like, I've never, I've never seen KP on an actual human being before. Um, and then I yeah, had a walk around to the shop to, to see what the situation was. They were selling them for 50 quid, which I thought was a bit steep. They could have done some kind of deal for the first game and tried to ship more of them. But they were clearly going off shelves. Lots of the kids were buying the, the smaller size ones. And hilariously, when we got back from the game, so we saw it ended up by the end of the game, saw a bunch of people wearing them, left the game, went back to where we were staying in Bermondsey, which is like 20 minutes away, went to the gym. Big lad in the gym was wearing a KP over Invincible shirt. No. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what are you doing, mate? But clearly he'd done exactly the same thing as I had, except he'd been prepared to spend 50 quid. 
Well, I mean that that is that's the indicator, isn't it? And and from the from the tournament organizers' perspective, the, I completely agree. Probably the fact that it was at the Oval, probably the bougiest ground in the country, is probably part of why that wasn't that price cut. But if you get, I mean, even you know a Welsh Fire or even one of the Birmingham games, and you you know introductory first game, or even as as um I think Brighton uh, Football Club have done for for Will and I once once or twice, ticket and shirt. I mean, there is your shirt is your walking um, advert it really is like people see it and especially i remember going uh it's a little bit tougher with more tribal stuff like football but you know everyone for example the england national football shirt absolutely sold out because everyone wanted it it was very cool to be seen in it for for the majority of this summer um and yeah i think if they were just little fine-tuning things like that you know kids ticket and shirt 20 quid double header i mean that that is you can't say no to that that's a that's a great deal I'd have, I'd, have, I'd have pretended to be under 16 and got, got my deal for that. And you could have squeezed into the shirt, Will. <laughs> <laughs> Would have actually fit me. <laughs> right. On that note, I think that was a fantastic discussion. And honestly, I'm just thrilled you were there. And it, what a conversation, because I know it's, as we said earlier, one thing to watch it on TV or even, unfortunately, as I was with the highlights, but, to, you know, have a member of our team there giving us the photos, videos, atmosphere. It really brought the brought the experience to life for us as a pod. So thanks for that, Will. Um, we'll just we'll do a little a little review of the of the Pakistan game uh, now because I think it was absolutely sensational. Um, so as pretty much all listeners will know, we just wrapped up um, a couple of days ago a three-game T20 uh, international series between England and the Taurus Pakistan. So interestingly, this came off the back of a thrashing by uh, England's B team um, against Pakistan's full ODI team. So morale was extremely low with Pakistan. We were all we all thought it was just a really unfortunate result for them uh, because, you know, the strength of the England team, first team, even a whitewash. England's first team is, you know, the best in the world at ODIs, but a whitewash from the seconds was was pretty disappointing. However, good for Pakistan. They pulled themselves together and delivered an exceptional series of cricket. I mean, I love this. We were live tweeting uh, most of the games. Delighted that a few people got involved with the engagement there, doing a couple of polls. I think as fans, everyone enjoyed this. Um, so we'll, we'll keep it brief, but I will just wrap it up for, for listeners um, in case they weren't following it too closely. So the first game, um, Pakistan won by 31 runs. They set a monster target um, after some great batting from Rizwan and Babar. We'll get on to... Uh, uh, them in a second because I think they're one of the most explosive opening partnerships in the world at the minute uh, they set 232 for 6 um, actually a couple of lower order um, chipping in Fakar with 26 off just 8 balls uh, I mean industrial hitting with those 3 sixes and Hafiz coming in getting 24 off just 10 so um, that was excellent for Pakistan England fell just short and this is the first game uh, 201 all out uh, absolutely statement knock by Livingstone getting his 103 off just 43 balls. I mean, it was just ludicrous. Uh, six fours, nine sixes. I mean, what better way just to demand a place? And we'll get onto this in a minute um, in the in the team. And unfortunately for England, he was the only one that really offered anything with the bat. Roy looked lively for his 32. Um, and then everyone else collapsed. Uh, after Roy with his 32, the next highest score was 16. Um, so England just fell short. Which is interesting because they still got 200, which you think is a pretty tidy T20 score. But Pakistan won that with some outstanding batting and some very tidy bowling. Coming into the second game, uh, England won this one um, by 45 runs. Much more convincing. This was this was on Sunday. Um, Butler got 59, looked very lively. Um, Moeen 
look like once again the Moeen we know and love will that'll be my first question for you in just a minute uh 36 off just 16 balls uh six fours one six I mean he just looked like he's enjoying himself I mean I we all love watching Moeen in his element and he was just batting beautifully Livingstone again I mean he was run out but he'd already got 30 of 23 so excellent from England there 200 all out Pakistan falling well short um in the end 155 for nine uh, I think you can attribute that to England's bowling, uh, especially um, Rashid got a couple of wickets um, and uh, Moeen did uh, wonderfully as well. I mean, it was a little bit expensive, but he got two handy wickets as well. So comfortable win uh, for England there, which takes us to the final game of the series, which was Tuesday night. Uh, frustratingly, I was at work, so I couldn't watch this, but I, I managed to avoid the score and watch the hour-long BBC highlights, which I'm delighted they did at quarter past 11. So thankful for that. Uh, and England won an absolute nail bite, a very similar finish to the 100 game we were just talking about. Pakistan set us, uh, set England a target of 155. Uh, once again, Rizwan, who honestly is probably one of the form players in the world for T20 internationals right now, he got a very handy 76, but support fell away. I think that was a story for a lot of these games. For both teams, we had standout batsmen, but not very much in the way of support. Um, so they kind of struggled to um, 154. Massive shout out to Rashid here with a fantastic four wicket spell. I mean, bowling at his best. And Moeen, four overs for just the 19 runs in T20 cricket is is unheard of. Um, and then England, Roy at the forefront. He looked back into form. We love seeing Roy at his aggressive attacking best. 64 for him. Again, kind of fell away. Milan, Will, I'm going to ask you about him in a moment, had a pretty painful uh just under runnable 31 might have just knocked himself out of a place in the uh, starting 11 i think with that knock unfortunately and then morgan came in couldn't quite finish it goes to the final over and jordan comes in with a very handy couple of runs to see us over the line i'd see england over the line should i say uh i've just talked a lot there will i want your voice on this i know i don't think you watch all of the games but for you what were some of the headlines who who stood out for you and what did you think of the series as a spectacle because i thought it was fantastic cricket yeah I, I i missed the second game because i was admittedly just out in the sun it was 30 degrees and i i right bounced off to a park um but, the, but i watched all of the third which was fantastic really really good Nice and competitive game. As you said, fantastic play by Moeen, which is my main takeaway. Always love to see Moeen doing well and back in the England setup. I think in lots of ways, it's the same question. Moeen and poor performance from Milan, I think they're related because I still think Moeen often comes into bat too late. I'd like to see him at three, especially when the openers bat long. If, you, if you're getting into over 11, 12, 13, and they've only lost either no or one wicket and Moeen's still sitting there waiting to come in. I think that's when you, that's when you bring him in straight away, or even even he can come in earlier than that. And it's nice; just, he's not going to stick around. He'll give you three overs. He'll have a nice 150 to 200 strike rate, and that's probably what England need in that position more so than, as I think you or, or possibly Zach said in the group chat, an anchor who's not very good at playing spin, which is not really what this side needs at the moment. So I think you're absolutely right that he may well have played himself out of that World Cup side, and hopefully. Fingers crossed. That means Moeen might make his way in. Yeah, I, I think you've raised a good point there. I mean, it's so competitive for top order spaces. So I'm just going to run through the top six, I think. Uh, top seven, I think I'd like to see um, play the next game, start the World Cup. We've got Jason Roy, Butler opening. 
Bairstow 3, Stokes, Morgan, Livingstone, then a Curran slash Moeen, depending on the pitch. What's interesting, Will, is that you would promote Moeen, obviously, much higher, you just mentioned. Who are you pushing down? I know Bairstow has moments. He is one of the most destructive batsmen in the world in his day, but some I'm not saying to drop him, but I'm just saying that sometimes he can look a little bit lost. I know he was frustrated in one of the games to come in quite low. He didn't seem particularly happy to be coming in at four. I mean, there's a case for, for Roy and um, Bairstow to open, but then Butler usually does such an excellent job. This is the conversation, uh, you know, regular listeners will know. This this keeps us up at night. Uh, we have too many quality batsmen. It's not something as, a, as an England supporter I, I've said for all my life, for quite a short portion of it, to be honest. But how do you fit the jo- uh, jigsaw pieces together, Will? What, who are you? Uh, you've basically mentioned, I think we're all on the same page. Milan has, there is no place in Milan in this team for for. I think anyone on the podcast, I can, I'd probably speak for all of us there. Um, wh- who are you kind of nudging down? If you want Moeen in that, re- I, I see a great case for it. If you want Moeen about three, are you pushing everyone down? Because we can't have, you know, Livingstone Stokes coming in like five or six or something because they're never going to touch a ball. What do you reckon to that? Well, I think the the lesson from the last few series is that five and six probably will touch a ball and quite a few. Um, because that's just the way that teams are playing now. They go hard early. They will they will lose wickets. That's just part of the plan. Yeah. Um, ben Jones tweeted quite a good lineup, which I think had Moeen and Bairstow three and four, and pushed Livingston Livingston down to six, maybe even seven, which looked really late on paper, but might work if you if you're intent to bat that late. The Bairstow question is going to run and run, and we'll talk about this at length when we have all four of us and and in, in advance of the World Cup. I don't think he works in the middle there. I, th- I personally, I think especially with his form at the IPL at times and for England, he's one of the best T20 openers I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. But if he's not going to open, if if we, th- or clearly Roy's place is secure. And if we think we've finally resolved the Butler question and he's just an opener now, then I think either you have to reinvent Bairstow as the finisher or there's not really a place for him. I just, I don't see him in that middle. Order. I think as you say, he gets frustrated. He doesn't quite know what his role is, whether to play, as a confident opener or try to play like a finisher. And he looks a little bit lost for me in that position. Yeah. So just looking at his scores, Will, I think you've made a fantastic point there. Came in at three uh, in the first game, got 11. And then he was pushed down the order. I think it was a home game for him as well. And he came in at, I want to say six, was was pretty unhappy to be in at six and scored 13. And then, yeah, didn't quite get up to the pace. He got five off eight balls. So he tried to find his feet. Uh, couldn't um, and got out um, again for only five in that final game. I mean, I agree. I think, yeah, he 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 is an opener, and this is the problem. This is the this is the quintessential England T20 question. We have four, five. I mean, I think Stokes could do an absolute job opening. Arguably, Livingstone could could too. I don't doubt that in the slightest. You throw in Moeen has opened before in especially um, domestic T20 cricket. It's ridiculous. We just don't. We, uh, that is the problem. We don't have the people um, feeling confident lower down the order because they all want to get their 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 um, eye in and smack you know a twenty ball fifty. That's what they want to do. I think you've made a wonderful point in the sense that you will get a go. Both teams, the middle order came into it. I want to say for every for every innings of every game in this tournament, I think the middle order played a part. And for both teams, as I kind of touched on earlier, middle order fell away. Pakistan, the last two, they did absolute bits in the first game, but but, second, but the last two, they just weren't there. They couldn't support. Babar Azam and Rizwan set a platform. Spectacular, exciting batsmen. I love watching the two of them together. Rizwan especially is one of my favourite cricketers in the world right now, probably top three. They set a platform for Pakistan pretty much, pretty much every game. 
Um, and yet the middle order again, because both teams had this basically hit out mentality. It was come in, try and absolutely spank 30 off about 10 balls and just be on your bike. When it works, that's fine. And it worked in the first game for the Pakistan middle order. You know, they were getting 10 ball 30s, 8 ball 25s. That's exceptional. But it doesn't work sometimes. And even England, my worry with England, well, from this series, we played well. We won the series. I think we were losing too many wickets too quickly. I think a couple of the batsmen didn't take the time to set an innings. Or with Milan, in the case, I guess you could say the flip side of the argument, he did take the time to set the innings, but took too long and didn't kick on and just didn't feel very comfortable. I'm a little bit worried about how many wickets we lost. I mean, I'm just going through it. We were all out in the first game, all out in the second game, and we lost seven in the third game. I feel like England, maybe a year or two ago, probably would be five or six down towards the end of the game. I'm just, just speculating there. But what's your take on us losing wickets maybe too quickly? I think the consensus in the modern game is that we're relaxed about it. I think that's the that's the brutal reality of the situation, which yeah. is going to obviously irritate the sort of Michael Vaughns of the world in TV studios. But when we when you know when we bang on at players, putting them under pressure, saying, "Oh, you shouldn't get hit out too early. You need to build a platform, whatever." That's how you end up with David Milan. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly, we're not happy with that. No, um, I agree. I think I just think the reality of the situation, transferring basically the logic that. Owen Morgan's teams have built into the ODI setup, which won them a World Cup, transferring basically the same logic into the T20 format, but recognizing that it's so much shorter that it's actually it's possible to score 200 runs off 18 overs. So you know that's more beneficial than trying to slog it out for the whole 20 and then leave yourself with batsmen on the bench. There's really no point doing that. And I think England do bat deep enough that you can afford to get away with that. I think you're absolutely right that it is it is risky, and you would worry based on this series that. T- too many wickets are going you know it's obviously not ideal to finish off with was it Chris Jordan and David Willey batting when they won it in the third yeah I, I you know it's great in a series but I tell you what I was watching the highlights because I didn't quite know that I knew it was close I saw a, a tweet that said it was close but I didn't know the score and I was on the edge of my again this is just 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 a, just basically just a fun warm-up for the T20s I was on the edge of my seat really hoping we won which was just was testament to the quality of the series but those were not two of the batsmen I'd want to be doing. I know David Willey batted beautifully in the first game, and Jordan can absolutely hold a bat. He's not bad at all. But the fact that we left it to them, I was disappointed, Will, that Morgan, who I do have a few problems with at the minute in terms of form, that he didn't take the captain's initiative, and he swiped around, should have been out probably three times before he eventually holed out. I think he was potentially dropped, if not fell in between the fielders a few times. I was really disappointed that Morgan did not take responsibility. Livingstone comes in, hit a six out next ball. Fine. That's his job. I don't have a problem with that. And that six arguably won us the game because it really did take the pressure off. But what do you, what's your perspective on leaving it? If this is a knockout World Cup game, I do not really want two bowlers, I think the arguably all-rounders, but two bowling-orientated players having to finish off a game in the final over with the, with the riches we have in the batting. I totally understand that anxiety what i'd say is two things one we'll come on to the india sri lanka series in a bit but exactly the same effect has been happening in those india end up with finishing with two bowlers to get the job done so I, I don't think it's an isolated problem to england i think it is just where the modern game is going at the moment and all these big teams are trying to play in that style secondly although for us and for, for you as an england fan you want to win every game and it's stressful when it gets tight Owen morgan will be thinking of this as a warm-up for the world cup and it might have been as simple as, look, here's the strategy and the plan that we think we're going to go into game one of the World Cup. 
I want to see you do it. I want to see what happens if you just ha- go aggressive throughout. I don't want to see anyone maligning it. So, so I think it's probably a more structured tactical decision to try and look at that approach because that is where the modern game is going at this level rather than blaming individual players for it. That being said, it is that classic dilemma of like, can you be aggressive and controlled? I think the, the ball that Jason Roy got out to, he just didn't need to because he'd scored something like four fours off the last six or seven balls. He was in great nick. He was the one carrying that entire innings and he played one that just, like, just didn't need to play and got caught out. So, so there's certainly an element of can you be sensible while also being aggressive, of course. But I think the bottom line is we can't really blame any individuals or even the team for what is clearly a plan to bat hard early and deep. No, I think that's a great point. We can't have it both ways. And it's probably, I'm sure a couple of the listeners are probably shouting right now, we did still win. You know, they did they did the job. It's not as if we lost. It kind of sounds, I guess my perspective is that it sounds like I might be moaning a little bit, which I'm, I'm honestly not. I'm delighted with the series. And I'm delighted with how both teams played. But it's just, I think I just really just put myself in the shoes of a fan during a knockout World Cup game. And that gave me a little bit more stress. But the fact is, Jordan came in, it was streaky. I mean, he certainly could have been out when he hit the running, running runs. I think it was a, it was a, an edge basically under his bat, but um, he did the job. I mean, there's there, there you go. We won it. That's yeah, and I think it is it is fair to be nervous about that, even though you won, because the question is, do you beat India doing that? Do you beat Australia doing that? Because this I mean, isn't the best Pakistan team we've ever seen. As you said, once you get past Babur and Rizwan, it collapses pretty early. Well, that is that's a perfect segue because I was about to just. Um, Bring up Pakistan and what they offered. Obviously, a great a statement win the first game. Once again, bouncing back off what was a really brutal ODI series for them. I really wanted them to kick on and win. I wanted them to kick on, win the second game. If not, we're tied up. And I was quite delighted it went to the third game because, you know, you want a competitive T20 series, whether you're winning or losing. It's entertainment, if everything matters, in the third game. But I, they probably, not to say needed, but it would have been great for them to bounce back with a, with a real you know, headline win in England. I think it was a shame that they couldn't quite do it. I mean, that is the problem. You know, I've mentioned it. We have mentioned it a couple of times today. But Rizwan and um, Babarazam, they set it. And basically, the entire middle order seemed to take the England approach with slightly less success. Um, I think their bowling was a bit all over the place as well. Um, so Shadab Khan was decent. He was their leading wicket taker. He got five wickets at 21. Um, also showed he could bat a little bit as well. Uh, Shaheen Afridi um, wasn't, I wouldn't say he was at his best. He was he was sensational in the first game. I think he really dropped off, especially in the final game. I think he was the bowlers took a liking to him. I still see him as one of the elite T20 international bowlers. I think he's exceptional. Um I'm going to shout out uh, Mohammed uh, Hasnain because he did well. He, he did actually well. He's actually in Wisdom's um, team of the series, which is quite funny because he was really good in the opener. But the poor bloke, like all of us have been in some league game or some Sunday game, he batted at 11 uh, and he didn't bowl. So he made up the numbers, you could argue, during that third game. Pretty extraordinary that he did sneak into Wisdom's uh, team of the series there. Uh, Will, give me give me your, your views of Pakistan. I mean... I see real quality. I see the two of the best batsmen. I see one. Their spinners completely choked England in the last game. Their spinners, after Roy was out, I think, and he was really taking the leg spinner out of the game. Leg spinner came back on, looked much more comfortable. Uh, 
yeah, they've got good quality spin. They're going to be playing in conditions much more favourable to um, to them. You know, obviously England will be very much a, a, the away team uh, in this upcoming uh, T20 Tetra series, and it will suit teams like India, Pakistan. Like, it will be better conditions for them. I after the first game, and I know this was a real snap judgment after one after one game. I was like, they might just be contenders. They have a lot of quality. They have this and that. Having watched again almost all of this series. I'm really not sure that I fancy them at all. I, I, there's there's great players, but honestly, the middle, it's kind of the middle of the meat of the team, both for bowling and batting. And honestly, in the field, uh, sometimes, uh, I think it was more the ODI series, but there were a couple of flashbacks during the T20 game. The fielding was atrocious at times. Uh, where do you see this team going? I mean, I don't really see them making it past the first knockout stage. What do you reckon? No, I would agree with that. I think they're caught at a bit of a crossroad as a team where they've got some bits of real real quality but it's not deep enough and there's not enough you know different options losing Mohamed Amir through all that weirdness yeah. is a is a problem it looks yeah. it looks notably weaker than that there's no real pace back up for a 3d nope spin as you mentioned at times is really good quality but that's kind of one-dimensional albeit with the world cup in India you know well in wherever wherever it ends up um that will that will suit them well, but I just don't think they're deep enough. And it's 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 the point we keep making that this is the the success of this modern way of playing that, that England and India are kind of pioneering means that if you're a team like Pakistan, you have to try and bat like that. Like I know you said the middle order tried to bat like England got out doing that, and that and that's right. But you have to, otherwise you're not going to get enough runs on the board, which means they're they're under pressure to do that. But they're not as good as England's batsmen, and they don't bat as deep as England do, which means it's it's just very very difficult. And you need basically one or maybe even two standout performances from Rizwan or Baba or one other to step up, or it's going to be a really hard slog. So I think at the end of the day, the lack of batting depth will probably do it for them in the World Cup. I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, if if um, the openers fall cheaply, run out, you know, nick one, nick one to the keeper in the first two overs. I mean, I don't really trust any of that middle order to carry them to a 180-plus score. Absolutely not. It'd be very interesting if we, if we had the figures with us, how many runs the openers contributed to that team total across the series. Because I think it was massive. I, I don't think it's it's wrong to say that they completely dominated the batting. Um, Ahmad Wazim, I, I, I liked a lot opening the bowling for them. Left arm, kind of darted it in. Uh, really good battle he had with Jason Roy throughout the um, series, which everyone was enjoying, you know, the commentators on Twitter. That was a really fun one. Saw a great interview with him as well before the game, the third one. He just seems just like, he just really enjoys his cricket and he couldn't quite believe his opening. He said, it's my, I love the new ball. I can't quite believe I'm doing it, but I'm delighted to. And I think he's really effective. And I think that will be, he will be really handy for me of players I wasn't as um, familiar with. He was probably my standout. Um, and... But apart from that, I mean, yeah, it was the old usual suspects, Freedy uh, Azam Rizwan, and I mean, not much more to write home about. So I'd say disappointing. And for them, and we'll, we'll move on now, but for them to take the lead and to not see the series through, it didn't show the backbone mm-hmm. or the leadership that I think they need to make a real um, go of it at the tournament to be contenders. It wasn't was not a series that I thought, God, they're going to win. They're going to win the World Cup. Not yeah. at all. Missed opportunity is the bottom line for them. 100 percent um moving on to um as we, we start to wrap up but just a couple more stories we want to talk through we kind of reversed it a little bit this week we wanted to leave with the 100 because obviously that was the big story and obviously we just got into the england series um but in terms of just like other newsy interesting bits well you've been following um india 
who are playing, I feel like they're playing in 15 countries at once. They must have a, a time portal of some sort. They seem to be simultaneously touring everywhere. Uh, talk me through what's going with India, both, you know, the, the limited oversight and their preparation for the upcoming England test matches. Yeah, it is all a bit weird. They, they have essentially three 11s at the moment, knocking around in a sense. You've got the test 11, which is about to start against England. Then they're currently playing a, a, a test or a three-day match against a county 11 from England, which is basically the test 11, but with lots of the key players missing. So, so slightly B team. Um, and then for some reason, they've sent a, a completely different 11 to Sri Lanka to play a short format series at the same time, which I think is hilarious. Um, so you've got what is basically an IPL All-Stars 11 playing three ODIs and three 20s in Sri Lanka. Um, of which they've they've been good games actually. But the second one in particular was a really really close ODI, much like the the final England Pakistan game. India just scraped by with some runs from the tail, which was really unexpected because the Indian tail doesn't usually do that. Um, but you've got all sorts of characters in there who are sort of hopefully on their way to the first eleven. People like Ishan Kishan, Surya Kumar Yadav is getting a game. Both of the Pandyas are out there. Um, Shikhar Darwin captaining. He's he's done well to be about the runs. He's done well in the opening position. So there's a, there's, a, there's a very fun series over there. I'm looking forward to the, to the three T20s. I think that could be good fun. Um, and yeah, that, that second ODI, really, really close game. A couple of the Sri Lankans batted much better than, than, than I was expecting them to, certainly. Um, got the third ODI tomorrow morning at 10.30. If anyone is not doing anything with their day, that'll be a fun one to stick That's on the us. TV. That's <laughs> us. We've got nothing better to do. Um, and yeah, this County, County 11 game is happening right now. So we're on halfway through day the final day, day three, India leading by about 200 runs. They're 113 for two at the moment. Um, I think that the only real story to come out of this, because no one's hugely covered themselves in glory from an India perspective, massive shout out to Hamid, who's got a century for England, who we love. Maybe he's forcing his way into that lineup for the, for the test series. That would be absolutely chef's kiss if we got to see that. But the big story from the Indian perspective is Kale Rahul got a century in the first innings. Now, that's interesting because we spoke about on the last podcast where we talked about India, we said that the 11 is pretty settled from a batting perspective, but if there's one change that they're going to make, it's Kale Rahul might come in for either one of the openers who's having a slow time or possibly even for that kind of... You can't take out the, the vice-captain, but if Rahane has a slightly poor run, he might come in for a game there. So I think that might put a lot more pressure on the selectors and see him coming into the 11. We also got a very nice quick 75 from Ravi Jadeja, which has no impact on selection, but it's just quite funny. Um, so that's that's an interesting watch there. No, I think you summed it up really well. It's interesting you mentioned um, uh, Hamid's 100 because he actually has been included. It was released just uh, a few hours ago, I think, or perhaps yesterday, England's 17-strong um, squad for the first and second India tests. So a couple of little um, subplots here, then I'll, I'll just... Get your get your mood on what you're thinking, just looking forward very briefly towards that test series um, from the India perspective, Will. Um, so the England squad, I'll just go through it and just mention who's omitted. We've got pretty conventional. Root, Anderson, Bairstow, Bess, Broad, Burns, Butler, Crawley, Sam Curran, uh, Hamid, we're delighted about, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, I love seeing him play for England, uh, Ollie Pope, Ollie Robinson, this is one of the stories, has come back into the team. Um, yeah, I guess we don't need to go into that again, but that's that's he's back in the team. Uh, Sibley, Stokes and Wood make up the numbers. I think that's an excellent team. In terms of people who didn't make it, we were hoping for Chris Wokes, um, according to the cricketer, is missing out with a heel problem, but he might be back later on in the series. 
And unfortunately, Archer isn't quite ready for a test return as he's still recovering from the elbow surgery, which is a shame because this, for me, we're all we're all Joff Archer fans, me and Will especially. It's been a bit of a, a bit of a washout um, summer for him. He would have had a leading role in about three different tournaments uh, series. So it's a massive shame that fans um, and him as a player, first and foremost, um, he isn't playing. Uh, we're looking at that team. Looking, you know, getting a feel for India in this, you know, in this very relaxed kind of knock around that they're doing now. Where's your mood? Are you seeing I'm seeing a very competitive series. Is, is, are you leaning one way or the other in terms of your gut feeling who might be in the ascendancy? We'll do a preview pod, but just interesting as we're both looking into the squads mm. and assessing it. What, what's on your mind? I'm definitely not leaning one way or the other in terms of confidence. I think it's going to be a really, really good series. I think it'll be competitive. I think it'll be close. Um, it's interesting in terms of morale. I think India are coming in a lot more confident. I- I- England seem to have, you know, more problems, more debates, more disagreement over who the eleven should be. Slightly worse form coming in, but it's in England where India really, really struggle. I mean, the, the last time an India Test squad was in England, we got terrorised by Sam Curran uh, in in his breakout Test performances. So, in fact, I think he was player of the series in that in that series. Um, so uh, if I had, if I was a betting man right now, I'd probably bet on England to take it just because English conditions and it tends not to fare well for India in those circumstances. But I'm really excited to see it because we're, we're in great form coming in and we'll feel confident about it. Um, and I think massively helps to be able to get that WTC game done, have a lot more time in England to prepare, get used to conditions. Hopefully that'll make a big difference. And they've obviously batted well in, in, in the county's 11 game. So hopefully a few of them have got the opportunity to get used to it there. Um, I'm absolutely buzzing for it. I completely forgot until my dad texted me, reminding me I've got to book my coach. I've got tickets for day one at Trent Bridge, which I think is the oh, first day of the series. Oh, so spectacular. Absolutely buzzing for that. And I'll, I'll do some more rain stop play coverage from, uh, from the start of the series. <laughs> I was about to say, you've certainly promoted to A, our social media manager uh, with, with the uh, unbelievable amount of content you're giving us. And yeah, I mean, it's fantastic um, to be at that. Unfortunately, on the complete flip side, I have a ticket for uh, India, uh, England at Lords, but I won't be in the country. I'll already be in America by then. So that is no. really unfortunate. Yeah, got a ticket with my name on it and I will have to resell that. Because... That's absolutely brutal. Is Tim going to be there? Yeah, yet, yeah. We'll, we'll get some we'll get some coverage from him at the game. Yeah, Tim, uh, our Southern correspondent and just regular uh, contributor to the pod. Yeah, he'll be there um so we'll, we'll get some feedback from board so i mean that's two of the two of the grounds covered i mean that's fantastic and zach always seems to sneak his way into a game he just texts us and he's just watching it's a shame he wasn't here to chat about it he gave us some great photos and videos from um the sunday's t20 game between pakistan and england so you know it's fantastic that we've managed to get some games this summer with bing covid it's been absolutely miserable as a cricket fan as it has been for a, for a, a stack of other more serious reasons but um it's great to see everyone get into the games. And yeah, I was delighted. We probably said it on the last part, but the fact to, to watch Devon Conway and uh, Ashwin in a, in a county championship game just the weekend before last. I mean, for me, that was what, what the highlight of the last two years. Um, so great with great fans are back in um, and great that we can all watch cricket together. I mean, it's exceptional. Um, we will just wrap up in a second, but I will remind listeners that the, there is such the, such a thing named as the Royal London Cup. Um, for those who are watching the 100, this is the 50-over version of the game. Uh, we do overs in this one. I, I'm being despite, suspicious. Despite Dan's <laughs> best efforts, it does still exist. Yeah, no, yeah, Dan, uh, yep. 
our co-host, uh, despises this. Um, he, he has a, he has a lot of it. We were halfway through a podcast sometimes, and he just attacks a player for no apparent reason. Lewis Gregory, he hates Lewis Gregory. He wishes he doesn't play cricket for no apparent reason. Uh, he'd abolish Gregory and the and the fifty over cup is is our takeaways from the last year of recording with him. Um, but there's uh, we won't go into it in depth because we really we've basically run out of time. But I would point you if you're interested in reading about it, Nick Friend for the Cricketer has written an excellent, uh, really excellent piece um, for the Cricketer. Um, about this, a really nice preview um, called Royal London Cup, a shot of silverware, hard luck tales and the challenge of taming a complex mindset. And I mean, I read it this morning. It was just brilliant cricket journalism. He points out that between them, Yorkshire, Surrey and Sussex are going to be without 30 of their leading um, T20 and 50 over cricketers. Uh, Somerset are going to be my team. We're going to be without Abel, Smead, Vandermeer, Lamanby, Waller, Overton, Gregory and Banton. I mean, that's that's a shame. But in terms of us, and we'll wrap up now, but in terms of rain-stop play people watching cricket, I'm going to be at hopefully two of the uh, Royal London Cup games next week so I can give a perspective. We'll probably have five views on the video as opposed to 500. Glenn reacts after Somerset Storm, Somerset Reserves Storm to a win. Uh, but it is happening. Uh, and yeah, honestly, I couldn't recommend uh, Nick Friend's piece enough. It was brilliant journalism and it, it really put me in the mood at least um, for a bit more cricket. Um, and Essex, I would argue, might be dark horses as they're only losing Dan Lawrence and Sam Cook from their first teams. They have a strong first team. And a final thing, uh, Sussex will be playing a lot of their young stars who have really impressed across formats this year. So I would say Essex and Sussex are my two teams to look out for. I mean, Somerset might do all right. I'm not really backing them. They're defending it. I was there when they won it about two years ago. One of the best days of my life. But I don't know if their C team is going to is going to defend that cup. Uh, I think that brings us to the end. I think I thought this was going to be about a 20 minute pod, maybe 40. And we've had a stunning chat. Will, what have you thought of it? It was great. Really enjoyed it. I didn't know we'd get so much mileage out of either the 100 or any of the series that are going on. But great, great conversation. No, it was fantastic. And thank you so much for joining us. Um, We'll be back pretty soon. Obviously, we're trying to make the, the podcast as regular as possible. Um, if you're a new listener and you're still here, uh, thank you so much for joining us. And, for, you know, our regular listeners, it's, it's an absolute delight that you're sticking with us. And again, give us a follow on Twitter at RainStopPod. I think a lot of our, you know, live texts, uh, analysis, a lot of that is going live on Twitter basically straight away. So that's the, the best way to keep on track of what we're doing. And as we just discussed, where we are, <laughs> we're watching cricket all across the country. Come join us. Uh, so thank you so much um, for listening. Will, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. And yeah, join us next week for some more cricket chat. Cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.